Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. Welcome in. This is Coffee Break. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Do sure appreciate that. The show brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. If you have a property that fits the needs of their buyers, call David at Versant, 459-8565. And Mac Menard's in the studio with us this morning along with, uh, well, he, he's got an entourage. I think he travels with an entourage wherever he goes. And we're going to do our best to move through the crew this morning. We'll kind of split things up, uh, introduce folks as we go along. And uh, we've got one microphone for everybody, and I'm even going to share mine with Mac because uh, you know that that's what we're going to do. Our main guy in the spotlight this morning, uh, John Quintrell, you've heard from him on the show before and, and we're going to chat with him. But Mac, I wanted to, I, I guess, start with you and can you tell folks, I, I, I guess, who you are and, and, and what it is you do? Like, What's the day job first? Uh, thank you, Troy. This is Mac and, and um, delighted to be here with you this morning and particularly in the presence of these incredible Americans that we've got with us today. And I'm, I'm optimistic the audience is going to love their story. It's a terrific story. But yeah, the day job for me is um, running the Montana Outfitters and Guides Association, which is a, just your average run-of-the-mill trade association representing basically re- outdoor recreation and, and outfitted services. But on top of that, they have created since 2009 a um, charitable arm. And it's a service organization called Big Hearts Under the Big Sky. And it falls directly underneath the Montana Outfitters and Guides Association model. Uh, The outfitting community is family-centric in its nature. Um, Their corporate headquarters are often a kitchen table. And their best employees are often sons, son-in-laws, wives, daughters. And they all work together. And consequently, they've built a program called Big Hearts, which is family-centric. And that's what brings us here today. Um, We were honored to have uh, a nomination for John Quintrell as one of our military uh, recipients. We serve uh, both those that have provided extraordinary military service to our country and also those who have um, a child suffering a life-threatening illness. And John fit that that earlier category and because it's family-centric, we asked him, we said, who do you want to bring with you? And he reached down deep and brought two of his battle buddies that fought together in Vietnam in 1968 and 69 are the only men in their platoon to return that were either not severely wounded or killed. So we've got a a unique piece of history here with us, a tremendous perspective. Um, We've got his son, Tim, who's here with us, uh, an ordained minister. And um, that was the family group that went to uh, uh, went to Mountain Sky Guest Ranch and had a Big Hearts trip experience. So that's about all you need from me, I think. Hear from these boys. All right. So that that's Mac. I, he's just he's just chauffeuring this morning. And then uh, of course we got John Son. He's uh, he's just the video guy this morning. We got we we got video in the radio booth this morning. Uh, and and we've got our trio lined up behind the microphone. And so we'll do our best to get everybody on there. But uh, big hearts under the big sky. And th- these guys, uh, as uh, as you heard, they just got just got back. This was what yesterday. This thing all finished up. I don't know how you guys are awake after like a week long elk hunting trip, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you coming in, uh, Montana, certainly a state, uh, that loves, appreciates, respects, uh, the military. And, uh, we do here on this show as well. And, uh, just this last week, as we said, John Quintrell and notice he's the guy in the room that's at the farthest from the mic. When we sat down and everybody picked chairs, John's like, ah, I'm going to 
sit over here in the corner, and that's the kind of guy John is. But uh, he, he's familiar to our listeners, I, I think. You know the name. You're trying to place it. He's been on the show before uh, when Ray came in, and uh, he, he's good enough that he managed to get a word in with Ray on the show. So, John, thanks for coming back in. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to come back and spend a little time with you again. Before we get started, I, I would be remiss if I didn't thank Senator Daines and Denny Lenore. Uh, these two guys were the ones that put my name in for nomination to, to uh, receive this awesome recognition, and, and so thank you so much for, for that. Uh, it was really a surprise. I had no clue what to expect. Uh, I met with Mac. He said, uh, I'd like to give you an application, fill it out. Uh, this is what the program's about. And I went home thinking that was, not, you know, uh, there's probably a ton of guys, you know, were, that was more worthy than me, you know, to accept this. But then I got the call and he said, okay, we need to figure out who you're going to, who you're going to take on the trip. And I, the two guys that are, you know, it, when you, the definition of family, you know, is, is who would you uh, give your life for? And these two guys sitting next to me right now, Russ Bruns and Ray Bourgeois, uh, are the two guys in my life that would and almost and ha you know w almost gave their life for me. Uh, having said that, the uh, trip was amazing. It's not like anything you know. Mac tried to sell the, the trip and the program and so forth, but he couldn't even come close. You've got guys. Uh, uh, number one, you've got. Uh, uh, volunteers up there. You've got the ranch up there, all the ranch hands, all the em employees, the cooks, the, they go completely out of their way to make sure that we had a great week. And what's unique is, is we had a couple of people up there that uh, have certain handicaps. So it wasn't just like guys going out there, you know, and being able to run around and so forth. There were some challenges and yet they made every single accommodation necessary to make sure that that the two participants that did have you know some handicaps and so forth were accommodated so uh having said that i'd like like you to talk to my two buddies too as well yeah well we're we're gonna john but you're you're the star so, so we're, you get to start things off for okay. us here and since i know john's not going to i'm going to uh, I'm, I'm gonna talk to you about uh, some of uh, frankly, his bravery, and and uh, because he he won't, I'll ask him, and he'll go. Well, I was just there. I did. I protected my brothers. I did what everybody else did. But I want to read this because uh, he's got his citation for the Bronze Star. Um, it reads, in part, uh, I got this information from from Max. So uh, thank you for sending that over to me. Uh, Private First Class John Quintrell distinguished himself by heroic actions on 9 December 1968 while serving as a rifleman. While acting as a blocking element, Company C came under an intense hostile attack. During the ensuing battle, a squad that was isolated from the rest of Private Quintrell's platoon by a river came under immense hostile pressure. In an attempt to reinforce the beleaguered position, a four-man boat overturned. The citation talks about how a radio telephone operator, uh, heavily laden with equipment, began to flounder in the water. And with complete disregard for his own safety, Private Quintrell exposed himself to the hostile fire as he ran through the kill zone, jumping into the river to aid his beleaguered comrade and getting the RTO to safety. Private Quintrell's personal bravery, aggressiveness, and devotion to duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of the military and reflect a great credit upon himself, 
his unit, the 25th Infantry Division, and the United States Army. John, that's incredible. And uh, like I said, I, I don't think that's something that you would share with us just because you're such a humble guy. But I, I, I wanted to, to read that. I hope it's okay I shared that with everybody. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. I, I already did it, so I guess it has to yeah. be okay at, at this point. Um, we've got we've got uh, Russ and uh, uh, Ray in the studio with us as well. And I, I guess I just want to ask you about John, first off. I mean, you, uh, you went through... In, incredible experiences and uh what was it like uh getting a call from john saying hey guess what you want to go on a hunting trip uh, my name's ray and uh i live in north carolina which is not exactly local and uh i got a call from john and at first i thought he was joking <laughs> i said come on really uh but he finally convinced me to, uh, that the trip was on and and expressed his uh ideas on how it would go up there at the ranch and i be honest with you i expected him to go up there and be wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots and riding horses all week uh, but it turned out to be a, a lot better than i ever thought it would be uh the people up there are very very generous very very accommodating and very sincere in their appreciation of what we did so i was it was a very enjoyable trip. How, uh, I guess, how did John do on the trip? I mean, a former rifleman, I've got pretty high expectations. Well, <laughs> we won't go into that too much. Uh, it's been a while since he shot, but uh, he did He did manage to bag his, his elk, so. Well, there you go. Uh, so, and, and it wasn't, it was a pretty far shot, so it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't something easily done, but. Uh, See that he's still got your back, John. I think it was about 650 yards, <laughs> as I recall. Here we go. <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking big hearts under the big sky. We're talking uh, with a trio of heroes in uh, the studio this morning. We've got Russ and Ray and uh, John Quintrell. And um, Ray, you're, you're, you're high, or, uh, Russ hiding over there in the corner. Um, move, move that microphone over, and uh, I, I guess you give us uh, give us some of your experiences there. What what was the trip like for you? Oh, it was absolutely great. Like Ray said, th those people were unbelievable. I mean, they went bent over backwards for whatever you needed. They were always asking if you need anything, or if you want, you know. It's just, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better group of people up there. I mean, it's just like Ray said. It's just so relaxing just being up there, whether you went hunting or whatever you were doing, just being yeah. around those, you know, uh, great staff. What was it like getting the, getting the call from John and then it's, being able to to be together again? Well, first of all, well, are you joking me? With all the guys you know, you, know, you chose me. He said, well, you're, you're real family. And, you know, I said, it's a real honor, and I'm thrilled about it. But just the, the three of us again after – all these years, and, and, and just be, I was looking forward to it. It was really, really great to be together again. So. Yeah. Once again, as you heard from Mac, uh, these guys, uh, the only three men of their platoon to have served uh, their full year without having been killed or severely wounded during their year-long tour in 68 uh, to 69, and that's not because uh, you, were, you were hiding back at headquarters. Uh, you, you... Well, only those two are the only <laughs> two we went in together. I didn't quite make it that far. I lasted six and a half, and they decided to send me home. What? <laughs> not, not that I wanted to go home, but like anything else, it you lost part of your family. Yeah. And you feel yeah. bad. 
even then. So, yeah, John, did you? Uh, well, let, I, let, let's bring the microphone over there for uh, for John real quick. Russ is Russ is a special guy. We uh, he got severely wounded after six months. We were okay. out on a on a mission and and uh, an RPG round landed right in front of his face and the trap metal went and blinded him. So Russ, when he left the field, we all thought he was blind and would be. And they, they sent him back to the States at uh, Fitzsimmons Army Hospital and it took months and months of surgeries and so forth. And they, and they did save one eye. So we were really glad to, you know, that he at least uh, regained, you know, the use of one eye. So, you know, as far as we were concerned, there's the hero. He's sitting on the end of the table here. He's mm -hmm. our hero to be able to uh, hump like he did and then have that experience and come back in life. And I think this is what's really important here. You know, Vietnam vets of all kinds, you know, are in some way or another a hero because if they were able to go and serve and they came home, and of course, as you know, we didn't get a very good welcome home and, and they were able to persevere and find it in their heart to take one step at a time forward and make a life out of out of what they had these are the heroes and, and russ especially with the with the handicap and the challenges that he had to get going back in life again uh, ray and i were lucky enough that we came home with both arms and both legs and and uh, of course we had our issues as well that uh, it took a lot just to move from point a to point b be as you know so yeah russ you you were and what's really weird is we walked into the platoon on the same day not knowing each other never knew each other from adam and that relationship grew and we became best friends for life which is you know that just doesn't happen very often we're talking this morning, Big Hearts Under the Big Sky. We've got uh, Russ Ray and John. Uh, mention again, uh, Tim, he's hiding out here in the background. He's got the camera running. And uh, we, we might try and get him on the mic. Just, uh, you know, you, you got to earn your time in the studio here, Tim. So we might get him on. We do have to take a, a quick break, though. So we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll do that now or I'm going to get caught in conversation and uh, we'll, we'll completely miss it. So let's go to break and then we'll come back with more on Coffee Break. I just wanted to step away from the show for a few seconds to tell you that if you miss an episode, you can always catch up. We're on iTunes, so find our show there or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Local and area events, city, state, and national officials, your neighbors doing incredible things. We talk to them all on Coffee Break, where Helena comes to talk. In today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, we deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across Montana. Ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com security. 
Welcome back to Coffee Break. Troy Shockley with you this morning. The show is brought to you by Versant Real Estate Group. Finding the perfect buyer for your home doesn't have to be daunting. Call David at Versant 459-8565. We're talking big hearts under the big sky, and we've got some heroes in the studio this morning. Every one of them points to the other guy and says, no, that guy's the hero. And you know what? Uh, that I would expect nothing less. And uh, we've got in the studio, uh, we've got Russ, Russ Bruns, excuse me, Ray Bourgeois, is that right? I, I took French in high school, but it's been a while. And then uh, we've got John Quintrell in. Also, uh, Tim Quintrell is uh, John's son. And uh, we're going to put him on the microphone here for just a second uh, because he, he was also part of this trip. And, uh, Tim, what was it like to, to be a part of this? And to be a part of this with your dad. I mean, that, that had to, it wasn't just you were a part of this trip. And, and I, under, I understand the bonds of military, but the bonds of, this is your father. Uh, that makes it a little bit different, a little bit special. What was this like? Well, to be honest with you, uh, it was an honor to be the the team's pack mule. Uh, I pretty much have the responsibilities of hauling all the gear, and and I'm being a little sarcastic there. But, you know, these men, uh, one thing that Vietnam did was teach them that they need to take care of themselves and take care of the guy next to them. Uh, One of the shortfalls of their military services they uh, never learned how to receive back very well. And so in my position to, to take care of these guys, to love on them, to serve them, to help them. And then, and then what's interesting is we go to this, this big hearts trip and for the first couple of days, they're kind of in a, a shock state because people are loving on them and they're, they're, they're just taking care of them. And what can I get you? How can I help you? Is there anything else? And, and just the, they just go the extra mile with, in, uh, in dad's case, uh, John's case, you know, taking him out uh, with his rifle and, and helping him with all the stuff, you know, just, and the guides were unbelievable. Just, just to, they, their, their concern on every step of the way was these guys. It wasn't themselves. It was these guys. And so it, it took a little adjustment for them to realize they could just rest down they could receive that love, and it and it it was fantastic to watch. It was really really good. And it, it brings up an interesting uh, point, you know, talking about not uh, not having that receiving sort of attitude, and not really even understanding how, how to do that. And and some of that might it, was there an impact, John? I mean, when 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 you came back, you, you touched on it. Of course, everybody understands when when you came back. Um, you didn't receive a whole lot of positive. And there was, uh, it, it was obviously it was hard. I mean, I, I can't even, I'm not going to put it into words because I can't put myself there to even understand what you went through. Well, number one, when I got home, uh, I wasn't expecting the, the kind of welcome that we got. When I got to Travis Air Force Base, uh, when uh, we landed, we went into the hangar and, and we got our, separation papers and so forth. The last thing the sergeant said to us is, is I wouldn't recommend wearing my uniform when you leave the base. And we all looked at each other and thought, well, why would that be? Mm-hmm. And he goes, just trust me. Just don't wear your uniform. Put your civvies on. So I did, and we got a bus and went to the front gate, and here there was a whole bunch of these protesters waiting. And as we walked out the gate, they were throwing produce at us and spitting on us, and these young hippie types were running up and getting in your face and telling you, you know, how ashamed you should be and how you killed women and children. Well, that was a shock. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, and two things happened. Number one, I got really mad because I couldn't believe that, you know, somebody was, was actually saying that. 
Well, we got in the cab and we got out of there and then I went home to my mother's house and this is where I was born and raised. Spent all my life. Uh, the boys in the neighborhood, the gang, the parents looked out after each other, other's kids. And the guy across the street, uh, the, one of my friend's dads, was always a hero to me. And it's really funny because he was uh, worked for the phone company and he climbed telephone poles. And to a little kid, to watch a guy climb a telephone pole was like, he's my hero. Right. That's what I want to do when I grow up. Well, I was parked out in front of my mother's house. I opened the trunk of my car to get my stuff out. And here he comes across the street. And I thought I was relieved that he was going to be somebody that came and, and saw me. And he got up to me and he got right in my face. And he said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And I was just totally speechless. And he said, you ought to, you know, you went over there and killed women and children and babies. And, and uh, this is a horrible thing that you've done and all this stuff. And I was speechless. He turned around and walked back. Something happened in my heart. And I decided right then and there that I was not going to tell anybody that I was a Vietnam veteran. Mm -hmm. And I kept that promise for 35 years. Yeah. And then what, what, what made you... John, turn that corner because you did and, and, and wrote a book. We, we briefly talked about it before. Yeah. Um, you, you wrote a book about it. You didn't just say, okay, you know what? I'm going to wear the hat. Yeah. You, you wrote a book and told everybody. Yeah, I, I think what happened was is when I got home, I, you know, my dad had moved to Cody, Wyoming, and he called me on the phone and he said, I think Cody might be a good place for you to get your head screwed on straight. And, of course, you know, Cody, Wyoming in those days, 5,000 total population. They rolled the sidewalks up at 6 o'clock at night. And so he was right. That's that not being around people, being able to have my own space, uh, trying to find a quiet place, so to speak. And then I moved on in life, and I went to college, and, and uh, I, I taught school. And, and yet my Vietnam problems followed me wherever I went. You know, I, I wanted to be a school teacher, and... I only was able to accomplish that for two years because something came up with the school district and, you know, that old Vietnam resistance and not going along with the, the flow sometimes. And so that ended me not getting rehired again. So, but, and there's a long story of what I did. Most Vietnam veterans, by the way, combat vets, have a series of jobs. They don't usually come and just are able to get plugged in somewhere and have a nice career. It's usually we move from one place to another. And then uh, I, I never stopped thinking about my guys. You know, I never once, ever, all those years, and then one day I decided, you know what, these guys all have a story. I have a story. My platoon has a story. And nobody's told it. None, none of the movies, platoon, none of them was my guys and my story. So uh, COVID was really the, the reason I wrote the book because I was stuck at home, didn't, I mean, couldn't, couldn't yeah. leave. And I just sat down at the computer one day and I just started. And as, as I started writing this, there's a unique thing, Troy. My memory, long-term back, is like laser-focused. Mm -hmm. Now, what did we come here for? Yeah. Because my short-term memory is like shot. Right. But right. I could remember things that had occurred just like it was yesterday. And so I just chronologically started to, to write that. And I come to realize that, you know, there weren't very many guys that actually made it. 
the whole time. So that put me in a unique situation. I'd been there 365 days. And so I was able to go back to the day I came in till the day I left, and it overlapped in both ways. So I had a real story to tell. And so we wrote this book, 365 Days with the Wolfhounds in Vietnam, 1968-69, and it really turned out to be a, a uh, tremendous story about yeah. the heroes that I served with. And it's, it's getting great feedback from folks. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's, it's another way that you're serving uh, your brothers, because I know a lot of them are, are reading this. They, they're getting help through it. Their loved ones are reading it and going, oh, I get it now. I understand. And so uh, just like so many of our military, you find a way to serve even after uh, after through. And I don't want to run out. I, I could sit and talk uh, with, with you and uh, with Ray and Russ for, for an hour or more. But I, I do want to give, uh, before we run out of time, uh, I, I want to give Mac a chance to sort of wrap this whole thing up and uh, I'm just going to not even going to ask a question, Mac. I'm just going to turn the mic over. Well, thanks Troy. And, and, uh, what an honor to be in this room with these gentlemen, isn't it? Um, couple things that I think are important and the takeaway on this stuff. Today's war fighters, um, are often revered. They are the seals. They're the Delta teams. They're the, they're the guys that, um, are, are kind of colorful. Their era of warfighter, the Vietnam era of warfighter, was an entirely different beast. And there are a whole bunch of reasons for it. But as these gentlemen age, as we all grow and, and new kids come on, I think it's important for us to look back. And we know as a nation that we owe a debt. And that debt <clears throat> can often be found in, in a way to... to Maybe not necessarily honor, but affirm a person's decision to serve. And the Big Hearts program does it by affirming these men's decision to serve on our behalf in front of their family members by people they've never met before. And those three principles are at play when we are trying to work through our veteran community. and. We also recognize that we are unable to serve everybody. And so when I look at John and I look at Russ and I look at Ray, they understand that they are the vessel in which this love, this affirmation, this appreciation has to be poured. Because people have just as big a need to give as you have, and maybe even a greater need than you have for re the recognition. And frankly, you have served us by being able to allow us to do that. And um, you're the vessel we pour this love into. Mac, I can't wrap it up any more, any better than that. So uh, thank you, and thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. I'm Troy Shockley, and that's it for Coffee Break today. Be sure to check us out on iTunes. Head on over. Give us a review there. That's always much appreciated. Or swing by coffeebreak959.podbean.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you back here tomorrow.